verse 22. Paul speaking. He says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or await for me. Apostle Paul says in verse 24, But none of these things move me. He says, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. In verse 25, And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Amen. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord just to help us this morning. And I'll ask, let's see who can ask. Who's here? Let's ask Brother Dennis if he would to pray for us. Brother Dennis. Amen. You can be seated. The good news about this message is it's going to be short. And it's going to be short because I was fixing to add seven pages to it when I was making my notes. And the Lord said, no, you make one point and you land it. So as long as I don't get in the way, we'll just get right down to what the Lord wants to accomplish this morning. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, just riding along and, and it's a lot of times in my job or if we were on the road I can't remember which it was but was riding along and I got thinking about life and some, some events that had taken place and you know the thing about a Christian's walk with the Lord is that it always turns out good for the child of God now it doesn't mean that we're going to be promised a bed of roses or a, 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 just a walk in the park through the journey but listen it always turns out good for those who have put their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Got to attend a, a wonderful man's uh, funeral yesterday, sad, but his passing and his uh, family, the Hunter family. Uh, his, his grandson introduced him, as he said that Brother Edgar introduced himself, was Mr. Edgar C. Hunter uh, Sr., and I've known Edgar, I, I said, you know, I've known Edgar all my life. I said, I guess, I guess more than that, uh, Brother Edgar's known me all my life because he was about 88 years old and went home to be with the Lord. But having the knowledge that even though whatever it is in life that you face, whatever troubles that you face or trials or whatever storms that come up in your life, knowing that at the end of it all, that God is in control of that and that he is taking care of you and that everything is ultimately going to be all right if you know the Lord. The Apostle Paul here has weathered a few storms. He's fixing to weather some more after this particular writing here. This, he's writing in a time about 10 years before his death. But you know the thing about it is, he is he, he's come to understand that 
his ministry and that his purpose and calling upon this earth is coming to a close as he sees th events starting to take place that's funneling him uh, towards Rome where he would be uh, uh, imprisoned yet a third time and, and ultimately be beheaded. We don't have any knowledge of that in the scripture that he was beheaded, but if you look back in the history books, they, they all point to that the Apostle Paul did lose his life uh, by, um, for the gospel's sake. Uh, Nero, uh, it was thought, there was a, a conspiracy that was thought that uh, Rome was set on fire, literally on fire, by the Christians. So Nero went to stamp out all the Christians. Uh, we understand that the awful death that he would bring upon uh, Christians, he would crucify them upside down. But the story is, is that Paul, being a freeborn Roman, he could not be crucified, so he was beheaded for the gospel's sake. So Paul, the Apostle Paul here is writing uh, to the church in Ephesians, and it says here in, in Acts chapter 20, we back up in verse 17, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And they, when they were come to know him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we get to our text and Paul says, And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide or await for me. Paul was in a, a situation where he uh, would understand his raising. He was a Pharisee. He was raised at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers of, of the Old Testament and of the law. And he has this uh, a point in his life where he turns around and, and follows the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is preaching absolutely against what all uh, the Jewish folks believed in that time. They thought that Paul was, was a heretic. They thought that he was uh, blaspheming God by him preaching to them Jesus Christ. And so he gets to the point in his ministry that he understands that wherever he goes that he is going to be persecuted for the gospel message. He's going to be persecuted for being a Christian. He's going to be persecuted for talking to people, going into the synagogue and teaching out of the Old Testament how the law in the Old Testament points toward Jesus Christ. Everything that we know as common and acceptable in the church today, that we come to church to uh, celebrate our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which was what Paul was trying to establish in the church back then, they rejected. He says, I know that it's going to get bad. He said, I know everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit is witness unto, unto me for me to be careful. There is times in Scripture, when you read this account through Acts, where the Holy Spirit directed Paul not to go into a certain city, not to go into a certain place because of how bad it was or what he needed to avoid uh, from that city. He says, but in verse 24, he says, but none of these things move me, <coughs> neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25 has never been in my text. I preached this once before, not in the same context of what we're going to be talking about today. But I dropped down and saw this verse. And I'll tell you, Brother Greg, this verse, it, it just really captured 
the feeling and the context of what the Apostle Paul was writing. Listen to what he says. He says, and now church of Ephesus is who he's talking to. He says, behold, I know that ye all. He says, among whom I have gone preached or preached the kingdom of God. He says, among ye all, I know that ye all shall see my face no more. What a statement. That would be like a preacher. Excuse me, it's that time of year. I don't know if that's going to help. It would be like if a preacher was to come into our presence and say, folks, I've enjoyed coming and ministering, but this is the last time that I'll ever see any of you. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying. I'm going to read on down. I want to get down to verse 36. Listen. He goes on to give the church instructions of what to do, what not to do. Watch out for wolves. Watch out for people that, that carry any other doctrine than what I've given you. And it goes on down to verse 36. It says, And then when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down, and he prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. How can a man of this stature, knowing what his end is going to be, somehow God had impressed upon him that it says even here later in Scripture that he knew that he was going to die. How can this man get to verse 24 where he says that even though I know that afflictions await from me, he says, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, listen, so that I might finish my course with joy. How can you have joy when you know that you're fixing to be persecuted, that you're fixing to be imprisoned, that you're fixing to be beaten, that you're fixing to be killed, and none of that is at your choosing. What did the Lord tell Paul on that road to Damascus? He says, Lord, what would you have me to do? He says, you go and wait. He says, and I will show you the things which you must suffer. The Apostle Paul the reason that he can come to this place in his life in verse 24 is because he had come to a point in his life where the path that he was on is Saul of Tarsus. He done what we call and what I've titled this message, he turned the corner. Paul, Saul of Tarsus went from walking a path in order to, to condemn those Christians, to condemn those people, that had spoke of Christ and he had had a course correction as Brother Andy calls it to where something miraculous had happened in his life to cause him to choose another path. What happened to Paul? <coughs> we know the story. The Apostle Paul had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ himself and listen, not only also with the Lord but in addition with the power and the presence of of the Spirit of God. And folks, listen, you're here. I'm going to land this plane here in just a second. You're here this morning, and this is exactly what the Lord laid on my heart a couple of weeks back when he, when he gave me this uh, thought of this message. You need to have a course correction. 
You might be lost. You might be in need of salvation. You may be saved, and you may be experiencing difficulty. You may be experiencing hardship. It may, it may be none of your choosing. It may be something that the Lord is allowing you to go through, as Brother Tyler wonderfully preached this past week over Grace Fellowship in Rome. But whatever it is, you are at the point in your life where, listen, you need to turn the corner. Let me tell you just a little bit about turning the corner. There are so many times in our life when we get in situations and circumstances that we do not understand. And we as Christians know that we have been taught, it has been ingrained in us to go to God, not to lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge Him in all our ways, and that He shall direct our paths. And we understand that, and we know that, and we apply that to our life. But what happens is when you try and try and try, and nothing happens. I've heard testimony of people with that very sentiment say, well, God has forgotten me. God has left me. God has abandoned me. When simply God is trying to get us to simply turn the corner in our life, to choose a different direction, to choose a different path, it is easy to serve God when everything's going good. God didn't always promise us that everything was going to be nice and everything was going to be pleasant. But listen, when the tough, when the the tough times come, that's when God is trying to see: Are they about everything being easy? Are they about everything being handed to them? Are they about the blessings? Are they about who I am and who I can be in their life and what I will do for them? You would never know God answers prayer unless you had a petition to take to God. You realize that? If you never went through tough times or hardships, you would have no reason to petition God. We all need salvation. We all have come to the understanding, hopefully, if you're not here this morning, you'll come to that understanding where we need a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. My Sunday school kids asked me this morning, they said, why did, why did God curse Adam and Eve? Why did he curse the ground? Why did he curse the garden? Was he mad? He said he wasn't mad at the people, but he was mad at what they had done. He was upset with what they had done. And he is simply trying to get us back into a right relationship with him so that he can establish everything that he done in the beginning. Try to bring us back into that perfect place, that perfect relationship with him. God's not mad at you. Listen, he's mad at the devil. And we should be mad at the devil. If you're not saved this morning, you've got to understand that you've got a very real enemy that is working 24-7 against you to listen, to try to kill you, to try to steal from you, to try to destroy your life so that you will end up in a devil's hell. We, 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 we commercialize hell. We commercialize horror and things. And I, I never watch horror stuff growing up. I don't allow my kids to watch it because hell is real. It, it is a real place. It says in the scripture that there was a man that was in hell and, and he reached out to someone that was in Abraham's bosom and he says, please, if you can, just bring me just a, a touch of water and, and, and put on my tongue. He says, I cannot reach you. He says, there is a great gulf that is affixed between you and I. He says, well, at least go back and tell my brothers to avoid this place. Listen, hell's real, folks. And here's the thing about it. 
The, the pathway to heaven or hell is one breath away for each and every one of us. I ain't trying to scare you this morning, but I'm 45 years old. I take medicine for a couple of different health situations I got. I'm just going to be real with you. I could throw a clot in five minutes. I could have a heart attack tomorrow. And wherever, listen, I have chosen to place my faith and my trust in is where I'm going to spend eternity. If you're here this morning and you need a course correction, listen, you need to simply come to the place where you're willing to follow the Lord and turn that corner. It's all about perspective for us. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we don't understand and that we can't, we can't see why we go through the things that we go through. But what we have to understand is that it's not that God has abandoned us or God has forsaken us, but sometimes we just need to have our eyes open. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8, and I'll be quick and we'll pray. It says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not to such and such a place or such a place, for thither the Syrians are coming down. And the king of Israel sent to this place where the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing and called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He thought that he had somebody in his camp that was telling uh, the Israelites where he was going to be. And they avoided that place and every time that he went they, they didn't show up. He said somebody's got to be telling them. In verse 12 it says, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he, Elisha, is. Find out where he's at, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto Elisha, Elias, my master, how shall we do? And Elisha answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And when Elisha prayed this, listen to what it says. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. We get so accustomed and so fixed into our everyday routine in our lives that if we're not careful and if we do not keep our eyes on the Lord, we will allow these things to hinder us. But what God did for this young man, what Elisha prayed for this young man, listen, is what God wants to do for you and I. He wants to open our eyes. He wants us to understand that the course that we're walking, if we're walking towards the Lord, we're not by ourselves. But maybe it's a hardship that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a place that you found yourself in aggravation. We live so, Brother Tyler preached on it Monday night, the title of his message was just being stressed out. We're so 
rushed in what we think we have to do in a day's time and what we need to do in a week's time. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Just do, do everything when we ought to take time, listen, and spend time with God and seek His will for our lives and what He wants us to do. I prayed while I was on vacation. I said, Lord, now you know my schedule. I said, and, and you know what it is. I said, and you know that there's more things on my schedule than I can get done. I said, I'm praying that I go back to Somerville with an understanding of what it is that you want me to accomplish in every day. I said, and don't let me be hurried about that. Don't let me be stressed about that. Let me follow what your will is for that day. And you know what God did? He honored that. Instead of me getting up in the morning and being in a rush and being in a hurry and getting off work and coming home and I've got to do ten things. You can't do ten things when you get off work and then go to bed. It ain't going to happen. I pick one thing. I'm pretty good at time management. One thing, possibly two, and then I'm going to hit the hay and get ready for work tomorrow. But we fail to take time to seek God and to find out what His will is for our life. But we find in Scripture very quickly, and I'll close, Galatians chapter 6. As I'm closing, Brother Thomas, you can come on to the piano. That'll make me land the plane. Verse 7 through 9. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What's the lesson there? Whatever you're reaping to is what you're going to sow. Whatever you're investing your time in is what's going to be your return. Are you investing your time in the world and the things of the world? Or are you investing your time in what God wants for your life? You're here this morning. I don't know who you are. God got a hold of me this morning as you're standing as we're bowing our heads. God got a hold of me this morning as I was looking over some scripture and reading. Reading about Paul's ministry. Paul found himself in a place where he could not control his direction physically. He was taken by the Romans. He was in prison. They didn't know what he had done. They just knew that he had caused, or seemingly he had caused an uproar in the temple. He had not done that. And he was in prison for a, a number of months, years. It says that he was in prison for two years and that he was allowed to come and go freely within a certain area and allowed to have visitors and to preach the gospel. He knew that what awaited him was certain persecution and certain death. But listen, the reason that Paul had joy in his heart because he knew what was going to make him happy, what eternal joy he was going to experience because he had met one man named Jesus Christ. He had a real experience with the Holy Ghost. Friend, you're here this morning. You've not had an experience with the Holy Spirit in a long time. Today is your day. Today is your day to come down and to call upon the Holy God to ask whatever it is of God that you wish for Him to do for you as long as it is according to His will. And friend, He will not turn you away. You folks know there's nothing else I can preach than experience. 
along with the Word of God is what we go through in our lives. You know that Sister Tanya and I and our family have battled something for several years, several years now, chronically two or three years. And things got better. But you know, it's not so much that that circumstance changed. It's still there. It's still the same. A little bit different set of circumstances. But you know, God looked down and he saw, you know, they're tired. They're hanging on. I tell you this, and I don't mean to pat myself on the back. Brother Doug Chapman preached a message here at youth conference a couple of years ago on Sunday morning. He said, they're like a ship, folks. He says, they're not doing nothing. He said, they're not able to do nothing. He said, they used to keep a wrap of tarp around that ship when it was in rough seas, and they would pull it tight just to keep it from being broke up by the storm. He said, that's what the church does for people that's going through a hard time. You're not able to do nothing. But at the same time, you feel like you're so bound and you're so tied up and not able to do nothing because of your circumstance, it's time for you, friend, to turn the corner. It's time for you to walk down to this altar and raise your hands and call upon God and say, Lord, would you take me around that corner? Would you set me free of this period in my life? Lord, whatever it is, God, whatever it is you're trying to teach me, whatever it is that I've got to go through, God, will you do as you did, Paul? Will you renew my joy? so that I might finish my course here on this earth with joy. Friend, it's not that you might die tomorrow. It's not that you might die next week, but I'm telling you what. It's that the rapture might take place any minute. And we've got to stand before God. We've got to answer the question this morning, are we ready to meet the Lord? If we don't call out to the Lord to help us, if we don't call out to the Lord to save us, we won't be saved. If we, when we're going through try, trying times, do not go to that friend that sticks closer than the brother, we will never receive the help. But listen, I'm telling you, the help is here if you need it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're saved. I don't care if you've been serving God 40 years. I don't care if you don't know the Lord. It does not matter. He is not a respected persons. But he says, come and let us reason together. Call upon me. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will be the first to testify to you this morning. I have been in that sinful state. I have been in that shameful state. And I am proud to announce to you that when I came and called upon the Lord, he forgave me of my sin. He saved my soul. And there will be not one person in this sanctuary that will look down on you. But we will rejoice with you if you would simply come. As church people are stepping out, stepping out all over the sanctuary, I'm going to invite you to come with them. Whatever it is you're going through, child of God, whatever it is you're going through, Christian, the Lord wants to help you turn that corner. 